Bianca, I was just introducing you. Bianca Kyle, is that how I pronounce your name? Am I getting it right? Yeah. As a Pravratsky, I always have to ask those questions, of course. So before this, Bianca, you were coaching at the University of Illinois Springfield, which is a mm -hmm. D2 program sort of um, for, for folks to gauge the size. It seems kind of similar to like our state schools, like the Bemidji States, um, you know, Southwest State, three to 5,000 students type of deal. Um, plays teams largely in Missouri, Indiana, and Illinois, that kind of thing. Before that, you were at Illinois College, which is a small private liberal arts school, D3, which Minnesota is very familiar with that brand of, of institution being, uh, you know, full of them, essentially. And then you've, you've also coached at the community college and high school level down in Arizona, uh, including winning a state title down there. So that's congratulations on that. But First and foremost, thanks for joining us. Uh, how, how's it been out on the prairie? Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, um, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been good. It's nice now, which we'll probably dive in a little bit more, but now we're able to have practices with the team. So especially coming in new and obviously with everything going on in the world, it, you know, looks a little bit different than our normal start to a season, but it's been really good to get to know the team and interact with them. Right. Well, and you started, um, you started in, it was over the summer, right? So it would have, it would have traditionally been kind of the off season anyway, but just nowhere near a normal off season, obviously. Um, and I, I think as someone who went to Morris, I can, I can say uh, with all, all positivity mentioned, um, I can say, I, I sort of want to ask what you knew about Morris or Minnesota or the UMAC before applying to the job, because it's, it's not the highest profile um, in any of those instances. You know, Minnesota is not really a soccer capital. The UMAC is not the shiniest uh, athletic <laughs> conference. And Morris is pretty remote. So what were the things you actually knew before you saw the job and applied? Um, to be quite honest with you, I didn't know much right. of it. Um, when going to apply, you know, applying for jobs and things like that, I was actually at the very tail end of my pregnancy. I have an eight-month-old now. And so it was one of those, like, do I still apply or, like, do I wait um, with everything? So I didn't know much of besides, you know, learning your state of your states in school. Um, but then looking into it and then um, when the job posting was open is – you know, with the schools that are all in our conference um, and everything like that, I felt like it was going to be a good fit, clearly, or else I wouldn't have accepted the job or right. applied. Well, and I, I think about, um, you know, it's so funny. I mean, I, so I went, to, I went to Morris from 07 to 2011, and I went there just to play soccer, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't even good enough to do that. I played for one year, and then I kicked for three years, but like I, I was from rural northern Minnesota, had never heard of the school either, so I don't think you need to feel bad about that. But I, I think, you know, one of the challenges Morris has is just being in, like a lot of kind of colleges or institutions that aren't in a major metro area, is just recruiting staff um, and coaches in part because either they're not sure about going to a place like that, or if they have like a partner or a spouse, or, or if they want to meet that person, it's like a challenge of, how will my partner um, find a job in a small community too? And so that's, I mean, that's an ongoing challenge, like the trailing spouse of, of um, so many different places like that. When you, when you were deciding like, what would my life be like in this town? What, you know, when in the interview process and what were you thinking about when you were like, okay, 
the town of 5,000 people, what will that mean? Like, what will my life actually be like? What were some of the things that went through your head when you were deciding, can I move my whole life here? Yeah, so I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of unique because you had touched on it before was coming from Arizona and being from a big metropolitan area from where I grew up, like the Phoenix area. It was different from five years ago when I moved to the Midwest. So, you know, people, especially family would be looking at me and thinking like, why are you moving to the Midwest? You know, and it gets cold over there, but he always thinks about the snow in the winters. And then so from there, you know, living in Jacksonville, um, Illinois for a little bit and also Springfield. I was used to a smaller-ish town, but then now coming to Morris and it's a lot smaller than what I'm used to. I think it's, I'm just the type of person that really adapts and, you know, there's still things for me to do here. You find out, you know, what places you want to go eat. And then if not, then you're not too far away from what you would need. Um, so it wasn't too much of an adjustment for me um, than what you would have thought. And then luckily my husband, um, works in athletics as well so that was a big oh, okay. deciding factor for us and so um you know it, it was a little bit easier for us but it was a big decision maker as well right. well and he is he still looking for different jobs or is he I mean did you happen to win the lottery and he has a job at Morris or something or what was the or did you just mm -hmm. sort of that just helped accept the fact that you know moving is part of the gig yeah, no, it's part of the gig. Um, right now he is working with our athletic department. So obviously that's a big plus for us. Um, but it wasn't, you know, my deciding factor on taking the job, right. but it helps that he's employed here as well. Right. Well, you, um, I, I listened to you on the soccer chat podcast and it seemed like you, you were like a recurring star on that show. You were like, it seemed like you were you know, set up in the living room already, already part of the, the, you know, part of the design but you you talked a lot about kind of the mentality and the values you want your teams to embody but I actually found myself listening and I kept getting super curious waiting but I think the guys hosting the show already know what your style of soccer is so they weren't asking but I kept wanting to think what is what how does she want the team to play and like the so for you you know imagine Morris gets on the field and you know April 21 is the is like the rough schedule of when you'll actually be playing competitive games. Imagine you have sort of like a perfect game, things go well, you know, the women are out there doing doing what they should be and you win, you know, shut out, score a bunch of goals. What is the, you know, what's the ideal kind of formation and style of play you're hoping to develop and, you know, obviously with the caveat of it's your first year and all those things, but if by design sort of what's the what's the style you're hoping to bring to the team? Well, I think we're going to be, hopefully, you know, we're going to play a lot of, you know, not so much, of, it's going to be more possession versus, you know, some of the kickball or anything, some terms that we like to throw out there. But at the same time, too, it's, I wouldn't be able to tell you what our starting formation would be right now, right. having only been on the field with the girls for three weeks. Right. And so maybe that doesn't really answer your question so right. much but they know within our practices how we compile them is making sure that the competition aspect is in there, knowing that whichever year, whether it's this year or next year or the following years, depending on the personnel that we have on our um, team is gonna determine on what style formation. So obviously right. if I have more attackers, I'm gonna be in an attacking you know, formation more so than a defending one because that's right. our strengths. And so we wanna play to those. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I think it's to be continued. If right, we right. You know next time we would meet, I would give you a better answer to that. But 
Well, and it's so, like you said, it's so early and even, you know, the bizarre thing of this year compared to starting a new job in any other year is obviously limited contact. So, you know, you're not even building relationships the same way you would otherwise, let alone the the personality on the field and the skill set and all those things. I mean, you're just not, especially since we would be in season already. So you would have already been through some of those things. Um, are there kind of focal points, you know, you obviously are still learning all the all the players. Are there kind of focal points you're trying to focus on in terms of, you know, like when you receive the ball, always open up or like how to defend? Are there things that you're trying to make sure are sort of the the A, Bs and Cs of of like more uh, soccer when yeah. you know starting from square one? Yeah, so like my kind of coaching, like I guess my style is making sure that all of our fundamentals are intact first. And so I think that always going back to the basis of it year after year is really going to hone in on, you know, a, obviously like the more comfortable we are on the ball. And I say this to the girls all the time, like the more comfortable you are with the ball at your feet, then the better product is going to be after that. So you don't have to think about, Oh my gosh, my first touch, or if it pops up, you know, five yards, you're comfortable. And it's like the muscle memory from it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's like the most important to making sure that our fundamentals are hound. And um, mm -hmm. that's the lovely thing about, what we're going through right now is because we're able to really break it down and work on them versus our normal season when it's just like, hey, you're getting prepared for the games and for the season. Right. Yeah, you almost, it's it's almost in some ways, it's a it's a brutal year to start a new program. And in other ways, it's sort of like a bonus training season. It's sort of like a, it, it's as if you got hired in December instead of June, you know, it's like a, it's a bizarro kind of spring season type deal. Yeah, and it is nice, you know, talking, you could look at it, you could, we could sit here and be like, wow, this sucks, right? And, you know, obviously, we've been in it for, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight months now. But at the same time, too, for me, I think, like you just said, it's more of a blessing because of the fact that they're getting to know me and my style and what I'm trying to develop as far, like, it, I'll keep saying the competition aspect of it. So they're really getting a grasp of that before we start to transition into the games. Right. Well, and you, I think your experience was kind of interesting when I was going over it before the show in just the sense that it, it's actually probably not that unique, but just the way I was thinking through it when I read through being a head coach at the high school level and community college level, then understandably when you climb the levels up to D2, you know, it makes sense that you're then an assistant in a, as you kind of grow in those challenging, you know, adding new challenges to your career. And so you've had the head coaching experience and then experience being on a staff and then now back to leading the program. What were some of those big things you take away from, you know, time as an assistant um, and the kind of change of perspective of I'm an assistant in this program? What were some of those key takeaways that now you're bringing as you are leading a program again like you've done before? Um, I think it's, you know, with every stop, um, you learn a lot of from everybody that you're with. So a lot of like, the mentors and everything. And, you know, my circle family is, I ask them a lot of questions and we bounce a lot of ideas with them. And same with the soccer chat guys, you know, as you can tell that it's kind of like our own little family there. Um, but what I really want to take away is I think that from an assistant, the team goes to the assistant a lot more than they do the head coach. Right. And so really, you know, as I know that that's going to happen mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, having them understand that they can still go to me right. um, when need be, because that's what we're here for. Right. And so 
it's nice too because you know having on to having to plan all of your practices and then now being told okay this is what we're going to do and still having the opportunity to run sessions but you're not completely 100 percent in charge of sessions right. um you know it's always a little bit different but you continue to learn and grow from them um which i did and um then going into like the collegiate part of it when you're different responsibilities now that you didn't have to do before like team travel and hotels and meals and meals is very important <laughs> and recovery sessions so it's just nice having the different stops along the way even though having done so this 15 16 years now it's you know the start and the obstacles that I had to overcome right. that I appreciate more of what we're doing now well and you mentioned the staff I you know the idea of well it was funny first you said you know when you're an assistant the players come to you because you you can be the good the good cop and then you know the coach is the one who has to put the the foot down so I thought it was funny I've never thought of it that way of when you go from assistant to head coach it's like no one's coming to me anymore do they not like me like it's this like this stress of like wait I used to be like like the girls used to come to me what the hell like it's you know that's so fun I never thought of it that way of like wait a second no one's no players are talking anymore it's so weird um I know but even but even the staff also made me think of another question I had of you know, when I was at Morris, the UMAC is, um, I think it's probably fair to say less resource than the MIAC in terms of, even though, even though it's still a lot of private schools other than Morris, I think it's, it's generally less robust um, than some of the, the MIAC programs. And even D3, just less than D2. Um, like, so for example, when I was at Morris, I remember the men's and women's soccer teams shared an assistant coach. And I know now it's gone to much more of even by the time I left, the athletic department had shifted more toward where um, the in-season sports assistants are usually just folks from the off-season sports staff. So like your assistant, the men's soccer assistant, are just folks who coach other sports, but just in the spring, et cetera, um, which I think is must be actually fairly common at other D3 institutions, but I guess I don't know. But, you know, that type of thing in terms of just a structural difference between, I'm sure, maybe the D2 level where it's a more dedicated staff, um, or even things like not having scholarships, you know, um, what other, you know, structurally, how has that been adapting to being, uh, you know, at the D3 level now, um, compared to what you've gotten used to with those D2 programs? I mean, yes, obviously, there are the differences between D3 and D2 um, with it, but at the same time, you know, having been an assistant for two programs and also running intramurals i understand the kind of like the balancing that you have to do as well as mm -hmm. hey if you know my assistant miranda has to go and do something like we go and talk about it and right. knowing that clearly it's not just soccer that there are the other obligations as well but yeah. soccer is still very important and right. so um you know there's like i said there are the differences versus full-time versus part-time and and everything and you'd actually be surprised even some head coaches at different levels aren't necessarily um, full-time some of them are and their assistants are volunteers and they might not put that on the website as well so right right, right. I, that's true that's true i do think i do try to remind folks of that that like what you see you know a, a website doesn't tell you everything that's going on and in minnesota one quirk is that the d2 schools because the coaches are hired as part of the faculty and the faculty are unionized just in general 
Minnesota D2 programs actually pay way, way, way above market compared to the rest of the country, um, just because the way they're structured, like you said, like they have, they, they're faculty and so that's bargained and all of those things. So there are always quirks, like, and once in a while when I see a coach, uh, a coaching hire announced, I'm like, ah, that's probably unpaid. You know, like you just, there are times where you notice that. Um, yeah. Well, and you, and you mentioned too, you know, at the beginning, we talked about you coming from Arizona and even moving from Arizona to like Illinois, people were probably like, what's wrong with you? I can't imagine what they thought when you moved all the way to Minnesota. Um, what's it been like for you in these early swings recruiting in a place like Minnesota where um, obviously you can still recruit players in Arizona and Illinois and, and all those places, but um, what's that been like in particular in terms of, you know, selling this, every institution has to be sold, but like sell, you know, selling the Minnesota experience and the Western rural Minnesota experience to, um, to high school players. What's that been like for you so far? I think, you know, it, what I, whenever I talk to recruits, I always talk about you have the right, find the right fit. Mm -hmm. So our school is, you know, very successful in the sciences, as you know, um, as well as other degrees, but what we're really known for is our sciences. And so with that, it's like, you know, depending on what you wanted to do after your four years, um, this could be a great institution for you. But again, we have to make sure that it is the right fit for that. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's always talked about diversity, you know, in the schools as well. And to yeah. me, like coming from, if you're going to come from the cities, yes, it's different than coming to Min uh, Minnesota, duh, Morris. Yeah. Right. and vice versa and so there is a little bit of a change but that's the nice thing about it is you know now you're starting to learn differences or thinking differently than what right. you normally would um just like i did like right. we said from arizona to illinois to here right. Right. and so that's you know that's the lovely thing about it and mm -hmm. just seeing like hey can you see yourself here is it a right fit you know checking a lot of boxes to making mm -hmm. sure that that player, you know, is able to say yes to Morris and wanting to spend their next four years here. So, right. I mean, when I, I constantly, Morris is a small school, so I feel like every single alum is constantly uh, uh, an unofficial member of like the recruiting and admission staff. Like I'm constantly talking to people about why their kids should consider going there and all that. And the, the things I, I point out are, you know, especially now as social justice and those issues are so much more prevalent, you know, Morris was a really progressive place. Like they get a lot of rural kids like me where we go there and that's actually where we learn about being more mindful and thoughtful and, you know, global citizens and, and all those things when you when you grow up in a pretty rural tiny town. Uh, <laughs> a lot of those things are pretty new to you. But I think the, you know, it's also like very, you know, very queer friendly, very, like you said, considering it's a small campus, it's it's actually really diverse. I think there have been times where it has the highest rate of student diversity of every U of M campus, the Twin Cities included. So it's, um, I, but as, you know, when you, when you talk to someone cold, like someone who hasn't reached out to you yet, what what's their initial reaction when you say, hey, I'd love to talk to you, you know, you're a great player, you fit our program. And then what's, what's their initial reaction? Just the run of the mill, suburban Twin Cities kid or someone from, you know, Iowa or some other place, what's their first reaction if they've never heard of Morris or heard of you before? Like, what's the most common stuff you get back? You know, it's, 
on cold calls, I haven't really had like a big shock factor with it, surprisingly. But, you know, of course, you're going to get like, oh, I haven't heard of the school before until you guys contacted me. So I think within there, with the information that we provide them is obviously if they return the call, then there's some interest. And so, um, which is good for us. And so I think it's just, you know, still understanding and there's a lot of, um, like history attached to this school as well mm -hmm. um, that hopefully you remember. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that's what they like. And again, it's just diversity, being able, if they are, you know, multi-sport athletes, being able to do that or have that option to do it. Um, of course, joining different clubs or studying abroad, you know, right. different things that they think of, yeah, that'll be cool to do. But then also knowing that, yes, it's a possibility or a higher possibility to be able to do it at our institution. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. My memory, I gave, I don't know, like hundreds or a thousand, however many campus tours in my time there. And my memory was that parents almost universally like the school because it's, affordable even though all of college is expensive compared to other schools it's very affordable especially d3 it's the only public d3 school in the state so right. parents always love this school because it has good academics it's cheap and it's safe like it's in a rural area and so they every single parent i ever talked to seemed like they love the school and then it was a question of you know does the student fit and all those things um in the, I mean, in the early, in the early conversation, has that been what it's like for you, where it's an easy sell for like a, a thoughtful parent, but if it's a 17-year-old, you know, they, they're considering other options, or, or are there regular kind of competitors with the, the girls you're trying to recruit to come play on the team? Like, is it, you know, are they regularly considering multiple UMAC schools, or UMAC and MIAC schools, or is it, is it a mix of kind of you know all the above yeah so I think it's a it's a mix um as far as when talking to them and seeing you know the parents love it it's funny because when we talk about the safe community you know we talk about Miranda will say all the time like oh yeah I'll leave my car or my house unlocked and to me even still I'm like how do you not lock your car I'm used to you know you don't do that and so um so it's always funny whenever that gets brought up and everything and you know, just hearing different stories throughout the years of that safety aspect of it and really, you know, it actually being safe, not just us saying it. Right. Um, but then as far as, you know, with the recruiting, yeah, we get a mix of other UMAC schools and the MIAC schools that um, are being considered. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, when I talk to them, the students that we are recruiting, they like it or they're like, hey, I didn't know, I wasn't sure before, can you just see it online? And then now until you came here, like, yeah, I can't see myself coming here, mm -hmm. uh, which has been huge, except especially like these last couple of months since we were able to really focus on recruiting mm -hmm. um, so far, whereas, you know, if it was again, normal, we probably wouldn't be able to do it as much right, um, right now. So, I think, you know, we've had at least brought on a good mix where everybody's at least told us that they really like the school. Yeah. Um, and we're, you know, top runners and like considerations for their choices whenever they make it. So. Right. I, we'll see. One thing I've wondered about, because I, um, you know, interacting with some of the club scene in, in like St. Paul in the metro area and also just some programs that serve specifically like um, 
geared towards diverse communities that have like a lot of Hmong players or Karen players or Somali players. When I talk to them, you know, one of the challenges is, uh, and like the Like a Girl Showcase or other, other events like that, one of the challenges I think is if they've never heard of the place and it's two hours away and they're not really familiar, I sort of wonder, I'm like, do these teams, do teams kind of have to recruit maybe a few girls at once, almost like um, to convince kind of, you know, St. Paul girls or, or players who haven't been to those places, do you almost have to get like, get a couple teammates so they at least have some familiar faces with them? How much has that been um, kind of part of the conversation in terms of, is it more of that because you're in a remote location or is that kind of always just either it matters to the player or it doesn't? I think it's more of the, it matters to the player or it doesn't. And I think it's just their own, like what they're looking for mm -hmm. um, comfort wise. So of course, you know, if you already established what we call like a pipeline, right. In a specific area, well then chances are if you continue to recruit at a certain school or in this area, then you're going to continue to get, players from that from there right. and so um you know I think it's just it just depends on the kid mm -hmm. um ultimately is whether or not they want to go somewhere where it's familiar or they just want to start somewhere new and have a different experience and so mm -hmm. if you look at our roster too you know we have a lot of players that are from Minnesota but then we also have some players that are you know from different states as well mm -hmm. and I think it's just again depending on what they're they were wanting mm -hmm. um from their experience, right. so. Have you, yeah, are there, are there certain places other than, you know, obviously you're from Arizona and you've coached and recruited in, um, you know, the Southern Midwest for lack of a better term. Um, are there, are there places that you, you know, you want to try and build that pipeline for, for years, the soccer programs had sort of like an overly represented Colorado population because, uh, Chris DeVries, you know, 20 years ago with the women's team recruited a bunch of Colorado women and then he coached the men's team and recruited a bunch of Colorado men. And so there was constantly just like eight Coloradans at a time, like on the roster. But are there are there places that you're hoping to kind of build those um, those pipelines? Um, I think, you know, to start off with it, hopefully like Arizona, at least like for my hometown, yeah. to trying to get that um, just because and I'll just speak for my own, you know, mindset, obviously, because it's my own experience. The only thing I thought of, right, was either staying in Arizona, which you look at it, there's not, there's JUCOs in Division One and an NAI, or California, because that's where everybody goes on vacation, but then it's overly saturated, and, right. and it's great, but there's a lot of, you know, players in California and colleges there. Right. So you should, I thought of, I was just going to stay a lot closer to home, which clearly I did. Um, but then just opening the mindset now, having gone and left, it's like, hey, there are more colleges out there. You just obviously have to do a little bit more research and seeing, again, what would be the right fit. So just, right. I think, creating those, you know, my contacts from back home and creating it, then um, hopefully we could get that rolling again. And then just networking with other people that I know in different states mm -hmm. um, to try to bring them over because it's nice too because I don't know if you know you had teammates that were maybe from a different state but it's nice where it's if let's say I'm on the team and I can't go home for Thanksgiving well I might spend it with you right and your right. family here 
where then in spring break comes, now you're going to come back with me to Arizona and I could show you that. So, and you right. may not have that opportunity before. Right. So it's just nice trying to build that. Um, so that way you can see different parts of the United States. Right. Right. Well, and I, I'm curious too, even just, uh, to, to go back to the, the bustling city of Morris again, I, uh, I'm curious what your reaction has been living there. Some of the things like what were some of the, what were some of those things you realize once you're living in the town of like, oh yeah, this is okay. This is, you know, I know once in a while I'll drive to Alexandria to Target or whatever, or like what have been some of the realizations living in the town after you've lived just in, in other parts of the country? Cause I, even for me coming from a small town, I grew up in Lake country in Northern Minnesota where it's all tourism and rural ag country is way different than rural tourism country like the ebbs and flows the amount of the amount of visitors the types of businesses it was all very different but morris uh also you know like has a bowling alley has a movie theater like has some of the standard stuff that you'd want to go to so what's been some of the stuff that stuck out to you now that you've lived there you know with your family yeah so obviously it's different so um but i think it's knowing when hey if i want to eat at it or if we want to eat at a, a certain restaurant they may not be open um on that day so really getting you, to know I, I, you you couldn't possibly be talking about sundays maybe <laughs> <laughs> so it's just you know really trying to figure that out and be like oh because again i'm not really used to that um, even though that was still a little bit when we lived in Springfield that mm -hmm. um, when we lived, it's the capital. So some yeah. parts downtown, it was just like, okay, there's nothing open um, <laughs> when I don't want to cook at home. So yeah, that'll be the times where it's like, okay, I'm going to go do my Target or Walmart run. Um, I think it's also too, if I don't find it at Willie's, <laughs> the infamous <laughs> Willie's, then yeah. I'm going to make that run as well. And it's funny because then it's like, you know stockpiling now or getting ready to with winter coming so right. it's a trip to either Fargo or St. Cloud to Sam's Club yeah. to make sure I have that bulk item stuff mm -hmm. um so we're good for a few months right right and I mean I think you know for folks who have never been on campus at Morris I think one of the surprising things to me after I was in the UMAC both playing soccer and football and the football team played in places like oh my god we played like Lawrence which is down mm -hmm. in the conference you were in you know two jobs ago i mean i played at tons of different colleges and i think people what people probably don't appreciate about morris especially in soccer is that it's a really good game field i mean just like a very good playing surface game field um when you have to play on the turf you know this big cat stadium is is nice um you know it's you, you know soccer teams usually prefer to play on grass when you have to play on turf it's there um, but have there been any surprises where you're, you know, since I'm assuming a lot of your process interviewing was remote, have there been any kind of like pleasant surprises that you're on campus that you're like, oh, this is actually a, a good asset or, um, you know, anything like that? Has there been kind of nice positive surprises once you actually got there, considering you maybe, I think you said on the podcast, you'd never been to campus, right? When you accepted the job? That's right. <laughs> Not until we were trying to find a place to live was the first time I even oh crossed God. the state. So that was an experience. But I think what really sold me, I guess, on it is just the fact of the um, support system within athletics as well as within the campus community as well. And so that was very important to me 
um, you know, when making a decision. And so I don't think it was so much of a surprise. I think it was just more of a, now that we're actually here, how much it is, again, just a reassurance that it is like a family atmosphere, you know, going around and joking around, you would think that only being here for a few months, I would have known them for 10, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always like a nice aspect of it. And, you know, when you walk around campus, people knowing each other and mm -hmm. you, you joke around, you know, as the students or with the students saying like, oh yeah, you really get to know everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, the nice aspect of it because Again, it's a, a big family atmosphere. And the fact too, even with everything going on, we returned Big Cat Stadium. So that's nice to see. We broke ground with softball. Um, so as far as athletics goes, you know, that's always a positive and a reassurance um, right. within our own department. So mm -hmm. well, and I think the my experience there was the same. And I for a long time had a hard time figuring out why the general campus culture seemed so positive and, and why I responded to it so well. And I think part of it is it being in such a specific location and, um, you know, colleges in the Twin Cities, someone could go to, you know, McAllister or Hamlin or Concordia or some school, some school in my neighborhood in St. Paul um, only because they liked the city or, you know, they could go there because they liked the Minnesota Wild and they want to go to hockey games. I mean, like you could, there's a million reasons to go to a school in an urban setting. Um, and so you can kind of end up at a school like that almost on accident. Whereas I think almost everyone who ends up at Morris is there on purpose. And so like everyone goes in with a really, um, a, a similar mindset of like, I chose this, like I, I'm here. I, and so I think that was part of it too, is like, everyone's like, yeah, we chose to be here. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I like to be here. I, you know, it just, I think it created a good first step for people because I had a really hard time figuring out. I'm like, it seems kind of like a really nice vibe. Why is it such a nice vibe? And it's just, I think it's part of, part of that, you know, you know, Matt Johnson, who's the athletic director now was, was a football coach when I was there and, you know, he went to Morris and he's played there and he and his wife have, and their kids have been there forever. And they're just people who are there and they're on purpose. So it's just kind of a, uh, a generally a nice vibe. Um, well, right. It, well, and you said you said it too because you know when even looking at it um, during the interviewer application process is looking at it and seeing like wow people have been here for a very long time right and even still with our program only being you know only twenty years it's still new mm -hmm. quote unquote new versus you know at another institution that's been there you know for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, with at least with the women's programs. And so seeing that and knowing that, you know, there are professors here who have been here for a very long time. Like you said, you know, my AD Matt went to school here and now is our athletic director and Abby had played here and, and is now a part of our coaching staff. Um, you, and I mean, the list can go on and on if you just look even just pure athletic stance. Right. Um, you know, who's all have been here. So that's also a nice thing to see because it's not like it's just a stopping point. Mm -hmm. It's or like a stepping stone. It's just the fact that it is creating that culture where, you know, you are here for a very long time. And right. I think it really says something without saying something about the school. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, I think the, um, you know, the, 
the longevity there for sure because there's just a there's a good supportive atmosphere for student athletes all that type of stuff um and you know Morris had a long run of success and the you know the women's team had a really long run of success in the 2000s even through the time I was there into the mid-teens and then you know there's been a few seasons of more like 500 or around their uh soccer but I think um you know, it's I it's primed to jump back up. I've been really restrained in this show. I have not been overly selling Morris to people, but if the the way I would say it is, if you're even willing to consider not being in the in a metro area, you have to visit this campus because once you're there, you will see the facilities, you'll see the campus. Like I said, it's the only public, you know, D three school state. It's out, outstanding academics, all those things. Um, so, so I will, I, no secret, but I will always be boosting the hell out of Morris. I will not be a neutral journalist about this. Um, so <laughs> Bianca, it's been great to meet you. We're glad we're, we were able to swoop you up from, you know, Illinois and, and steal you from Minnesota. Um, and otherwise, I think you're, the schedule as of now, you know, the world is crazy. So we'll see what happens But the schedule as of now would have you start games in April. Is that right? Yes. So everyone, we you know, mark your calendars for like six months from now, five months from now. We will make sure we remind folks. Um, otherwise, if there's anything else you want to say about how folks can follow the program, um, go ahead and let folks know kind of where to where to track your your team. Yeah. So again, like thanks for having me and everything. So if they want to follow our Instagram, it's um, M N Morris. W soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can follow us on there right now. Our athletes are doing weekly takeovers. So you mm -hmm. can get to know them and ask them questions on, you know, what it's like as a student athlete or being part of our program as well. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a Twitter, um, same thing, NM Morris W soccer. Or if you want to follow me, it's B Kyle, the number two on Twitter. And so, yeah, That's if you have great. any other questions, just email me. That's great. Well, <laughs> Well, congratulations on the gig. I'm glad, um, I, you know, and congratulations on the baby. I, doing a job search during any stage of pregnancy and newborn is is insane. And obviously, I couldn't relate even if I wanted to. So, I, but it is it is unreal. And obviously, we talk to a lot of a lot of coaches um, in the in the women's game and women who have to go through that. It's it's a ridiculous you know, extra burden that men, frankly, just don't have to deal with. And so kudos to you for soldiering through that it's, and during a pandemic. So you are truly a warrior. You are, you are. You know, if anybody has any questions on the what ifs, I'm pretty sure I've probably gone through it all within I, the last six months. I, well, and, and you, you're like half joking about that, but like Steph Galan, who coaches the Gophers, does say one of the only ways to survive actually being uh, a female head coach in soccer is to talk to other ones who have done it too because it's a it can be a brutal profession and it can be really tough to be raising kids during the same time and so everyone who's watching take Bianca up on that and she will give you free advice I'm giving away all your your free advice for you um yeah well th thanks so much Bianca and uh have a good day thank you you too PNCs are already so you would have already been through some of those things um are there kind of focal points, you know, you obviously are still learning all the, all the players. Are there kind of focal points you're trying to focus on in terms of, you know, like when you receive the ball, always open up or like how to defend, are there things that you're trying to make sure are sort of the, 
the A, Bs, and Cs of, of like, Morris uh, soccer when, yeah. you know, starting from square one? Yeah, so, like, my kind of coaching, like, I guess my style is making sure that all of our fundamentals are intact first. And so I think that always going back to the basis of it year after year is really going to hone in on, you know, a, obviously, like the more comfortable we are on the ball, and I say this to the girls all the time, like the more comfortable you are with the ball at your feet, then the better product is going to be after that. So you don't have to think about, oh my gosh, my first touch. Or if it pops up, you know, five yards, you're comfortable and it's like the muscle memory from it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's like the most important to making sure that our fundamentals are hound. And um, mm -hmm. that's the lovely thing about what we're going through right now is because we're able to really break it down and work on them versus our normal season when it's just like, hey, you're getting prepared for the games and for the season. Right. Yeah, you almost, it's it's almost in some ways, it's a it's a brutal year to start a new program. And in other ways, it's sort of like a bonus training season. It's sort of like a, it, it's as if you got hired in December instead of June, you know, it's like a, it's a bizarro kind of spring season type deal. Yeah, and it is nice, you know, talking, you could look at it, you could, we could sit here and be like, wow, this sucks, right? And, you know, obviously we've been in it for, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight months now. But at the same time, too, for me, I think, like you just said, it's more of a blessing because of the fact that they're getting to know me and my style and what I'm trying to develop as far, like, it, I'll keep saying the competition aspect of it. So they're really getting a grasp of that before we start to transition into the games. Right. Well, then you, I think your experience was kind of interesting when I was going over it before the show and just the sense that it, it's actually probably not that unique, but just the way I was thinking through it when I read through being a head coach at the high school level and community college level, then understandably when you climb the levels up to D2, you know, it makes sense that you're then an assistant in a, as you kind of grow in those challenging, you know, adding new challenges to your career. And so you've had the head coaching experience and then experience being on a staff and then now back to leading the program. What were some of those big things you take away from, you know, time as an assistant um, and the kind of change of perspective of I'm an assistant in this program. What were some of those key takeaways that now you're bringing as you are leading a program again, like you've done before? Um, I think it's, you know, with every stop, um, you learn a lot of from everybody that you're with. So a lot of like, the mentors and everything. And, you know, my circle family is, I ask them a lot of questions and we bounce a lot of ideas with them and same with the, soccer chat guys, you know, as you can tell that it's kind of like our own little family there. Um, but what I really want to take away is I think that from an assistant, the team goes to the assistant a lot more than they do the head coach. Right. And so really, you know, as I know that that's going to happen mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, having them understand that they can still go to me right. um, when need be, because that's what we're here for. Right. And so it's nice too, because, you know, having on to having to plan all of your practices and then now being told, okay, this is what we're going to do and still having the opportunity to run sessions, but you're not completely 100% in charge of sessions. Right. Um, you know, it's always a little bit different, but you continue to learn and grow from them, um, which I did. And um, then going into like the collegiate part of it when you're different responsibilities now that you didn't have to do before, like, mm -hmm team travel and hotels and meals and meals is very important <laughs> and recovery sessions. So it's just nice having the different stops along the way, even though having done so this 
15, 16 years now, it's, you know, the start and the obstacles that I had to overcome right. that I appreciate more of what we're doing now. Well, and you mentioned the staff. I, you know, the idea of, well, it was funny. First, you said, you know, when you're an assistant, the players come to you because you, you can be the good, the good cop. And then, you know, the coach is the one who has to put the, the foot down. So I thought it was funny. I've never thought of it that way of when you go from assistant to head coach, it's like, no one's coming to me anymore. Do they not like me? Like it's this, like this stress of like, wait, I used to be like, like the girls used to come to me. What the hell? Like, you know, that's so fun. I never thought of it that way of like, wait a second, no one's, no players are talking to me anymore. It's so weird. Um, I know. But even, but even the staff also made me think of another question I had of, you know, when I was at Morris, the UMAC is, um, I think it's probably fair to say less resource than the MIAC in terms of, even though, even though it's still a lot of private schools other than Morris, I think it's, it's generally less robust um, than some of the, the MIAC programs. And even D3, just less than D2. Um, like, so for example, when I was at Morris, I remember the men's and women's soccer teams shared an assistant coach. And I know now it's gone to much more of even by the time I left, the athletic department had shifted more toward where um, the in-season sports assistants are usually just folks from the off-season sports staff. So like your assistant, the men's soccer assistant, are just folks who coach other sports, but just in the spring, et cetera, um, which I think is, must be actually fairly common at other D3 institutions, but I guess I don't know. But, you know, that type of thing in terms of just a structural difference between, I'm sure, maybe the D2 level where some more dedicated staff, um, or even things like not having scholarships, you know, um, what other, you know, structurally, how has that been adapting to being, uh, you know, at the D3 level now, um, compared to what you've gotten used to with those D2 programs? I mean, I guess, obviously, there are the differences between D3 and D2 um, with it, but at the same time, you know, having been an assistant for two programs and also running intramurals, I understand the kind of like the balancing that you have to do as well as, mm -hmm. hey, if, you know, my assistant Miranda has to go and do something, like we go and talk about it and right. knowing that clearly it's not just soccer, that there are the other obligations as well, but yeah. soccer is still very important. And right. so, um, you know, there's, like I said, there are the differences versus full-time versus part-time and and everything and you'd actually be surprised even some head coaches at different levels aren't necessarily um, full-time some of them are and their assistants are volunteers and they might not put that on the website as well so right right, right. I, that's true that's true I do think I do try to remind folks of that that like what you see you know a, a website doesn't tell you everything that's going on and in Minnesota one quirk is that the D2 schools because the coaches are hired as part of the faculty and the faculty are unionized. Just in general, Minnesota D2 programs actually pay way, way, way above market compared to the rest of the country um, just because the way they're structured, like you said, like they have, they, they're faculty and so that's bargained and all of those things. So there are always quirks like and once in a while when I see a coach uh, a coaching hire announced I'm like ah that's probably unpaid you know like you just there are times where you notice that um, yeah well and you and you mentioned too you know at the beginning we talked about you coming from Arizona and even moving from Arizona to like Illinois people were probably like what's wrong with you I can't imagine what they thought when you moved all the way to Minnesota um, 
what's it been like for you in these early swings recruiting in a place like Minnesota where um, obviously you could still recruit players in Arizona and Illinois and, and all those places, mm -hmm. but um, what's that been like in particular in terms of, you know, selling this, every institution has to be sold, but like sell, you know, selling the Minnesota experience and the Western rural Minnesota experience to, um, to high school players. What's that been like for you so far? I think, you know, it, what I, whenever I talk to recruits, I always talk about you had the right, find the right fit. Mm -hmm. So our school is, you know, very successful in the sciences, as you know, um, as well as other degrees, but what we're really known for is our sciences. And so with that, it's like, you know, depending on what you wanted to do after your four years, um, this could be a great institution for you. But again, we have to make sure that it is the right fit for that. And so, um, you know, it's always talked about diversity, you know, in the schools as well. And to yeah. me, like coming from, if you're going to come from the cities, yes, it's different than coming to Minnesota, uh, Minnesota duh, Morris. Right. Right. and vice versa and so there is a little bit of a change but that's the nice thing about it is you know now you're starting to learn differences or thinking differently than what right. you normally would um just like i did like right. we said from arizona to illinois to here right. Right. and so that's you know that's the lovely thing about it and mm -hmm. just seeing like hey can you see yourself here is it a right fit you know checking a lot of boxes to making mm -hmm. sure that that player, you know, is able to say yes to Morris and wanting to spend their next four years here. So, right. I mean, when I, I constantly, Morris is a small school, so I feel like every single alum is constantly uh, uh, an unofficial member of like the recruiting and admission staff. Like I'm constantly talking to people about why their kids should consider going there and all that. And the, the things I, I point out are, you know, especially now as social justice and those issues are so much more prevalent, you know, Morris was a really progressive place. Like they get a lot of rural kids like me where we go there and that's actually where we learn about being more mindful and thoughtful and, you know, global citizens and, and all those things. When you when you grow up in a pretty rural, tiny town, uh, <laughs> a lot of those things are pretty new to you. But I think the, you know, it's also like very, you know, very queer friendly, very, like you said, considering it's a small campus, it's it's actually really diverse. I think there have been times where it has the highest rate of student diversity of every U of M campus, the Twin Cities included. So it's, um, I, but as, you know, when you, when you talk to someone cold, like someone who hasn't reached out to you yet, what, what's their initial reaction when you say, hey, I'd, I'd love to talk to you, you know, you're a great player, you fit our program. And then what's, what's their initial reaction? Just the run of the mill, suburban Twin Cities kid or someone from, you know, Iowa or some other place, what's their first reaction if they've never heard of Morris or heard of you before? Like, what's the most common stuff you get back? You know, it's on cold calls. I haven't really had like a big shock factor with it, surprisingly. But, you know, of course, you're going to get like, oh, I haven't heard of the school before until you guys contacted me. So I think within there, with the information that we provide them is obviously if they return the call, then there's some interest. And so, um, which is good for us. And so I think it's just, you know, still understanding and there's a lot of um, like history attached to this school as well. Mm -hmm. um, that hopefully you remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
And so I think that that's what they like. And again, it's just diversity, being able, if they are, you know, multi-sport athletes, being able to do that or have that option to do it. Um, of course, joining different clubs or studying abroad, you know, right. different things that they think of, yeah, that'll be cool to do. But then also knowing that, yes, it's a possibility or a higher possibility to be able to do it at our institution. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. My memory, I gave, I don't know, like hundreds or a thousand, however many campus tours in my time there. And my memory was that parents almost universally like the school because it's affordable even though all of college is expensive compared to other schools it's very affordable especially d3 it's the only public d3 school in the state so right. parents always love the school because it has good academics it's cheap and it's safe like it's in a rural area and so they're every single parent i ever talked to seemed like they loved the school and then it was a question of you know does the student fit and all those things um in the i mean in the early in the early conversation has that been what it's like for you where it's an easy sell for like a a thoughtful parent but if it's a 17 year old you know they they're considering other options or or are there regular kind of competitors with the the girls you're trying to recruit to come play on the team like is it you know are they regularly considering multiple umac schools or umac and myac schools or is it is it a mix of kind of you know all the above yeah so i think it's a it's a mix um as far as when talking to them and seeing you know the parents love it it's funny because when we talk about the safe community you know we talk about Miranda will say all the time, like, oh, yeah, I'll leave my car or my house unlocked. And to me, even still, I'm like, how do you not lock your car? I'm used to, you know, you don't do that. And so, um, so it's always funny whenever that gets brought up and everything. And, you know, just hearing different stories throughout the years of that safety aspect of it and really, you know, it actually being safe, not just us saying it. Um, but then as far as, you know, with the recruiting, yeah, we get a mix of other UMAC schools and the MIAC schools that um, are being considered. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, when I talk to them, the students that we are recruiting, they like it or they're like, hey, I didn't know. I wasn't sure before. Can you just see it online? And then now until you came here, like, yeah, I can see myself coming here, mm -hmm. uh, which has been huge, except especially like these last couple of months since we were able to really focus on recruiting um so far whereas you know if it was again normal we probably wouldn't be able to do it as much right. um so i think you know we've had at least brought on a good mix where everybody's at least told us that they really like the school yeah um and we're you know top runners and like considerations for their choices whenever they make it so right I, we'll see one thing i've wondered about because i um you know interacting with some of the club scene in, in like St. Paul in the metro area and also just some programs that serve specifically like um, geared towards diverse communities that have like a lot of Hmong players or Karen players or Somali players. When I talk to them, you know, one of the challenges is, uh, and like the Like a Girl Showcase or other, other events like that, one of the challenges I think is if they've never heard of the place and it's two hours away and they're not really familiar, I sort of wonder, I'm like, do these teams, do teams kind of have to recruit maybe a few girls at once, almost like um, to convince kind of, you know, 
St. Paul girls or, or players who haven't been to those places, you almost have to get like get a couple of teammates so they at least have some familiar faces with them. How much has that been um, kind of part of the conversation in terms of is it more of that because you're in a remote location or is that kind of always just either it matters to the player or it doesn't? I think it's more of the it matters to the player or it doesn't. And I think it's just their own like what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, comfort wise. So of course, you know, if you already established what we call like a pipeline, right, in a specific area, well, then chances are, if you continue to recruit at a certain school or in this area, then you're going to continue to get players from that from there. Right. And so, um, you know, I think it's just, it just depends on the kid. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, is whether or not they want to go somewhere where it's familiar, or they just want to start somewhere new and have a different experience. And so, mm -hmm. if you look at our roster too, you know we have a lot of players that are from Minnesota, but then we also have some players that are, you know, from different states as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just again depending on what they they were wanting mm -hmm. um, from their experience. Right. So. Have you, yeah, are there, are there certain places other than, you know, obviously you're from Arizona and you've coached and recruited in, um, you know, the Southern Midwest, for lack of a better term, um, are there, are there places that you, you know, you want to try and build that pipeline for, for years, the soccer programs had sort of like an overly represented Colorado population because uh, Chris DeVries, you know, 20 years ago with the women's team recruited a bunch of Colorado women and then he coached the men's team and recruited a bunch of Colorado men. And so there was constantly just like eight Coloradans at a time, like on the roster, but are there, are there places that you're hoping to kind of build those, um, those pipelines? Um, I think, you know, to start off with it, hopefully like Arizona, at least like for my hometown yeah. to trying to get that um, just because, and I'll just speak for my own, you know, mindset, obviously it's my own experience. The only thing I thought of, right, was either staying in Arizona, which if you look at it, there's not, there's JUCOs in Division One and an NAI or California because right. that's where everybody goes on vacation, but then it's overly saturated and, right. and it's great, but there's a lot of, you know, players in California and colleges there. Right. So you should, I thought of, I was just going to stay a lot closer to home, mm -hmm. which clearly I did. Um, but then just opening mm -hmm. the mindset now, having gone and left, it's like, Hey, there are more colleges out there. You just obviously have to do a little bit more research and seeing again, what would be the right fit. So just, right. I think creating those, you know, my contacts from back home and creating it, then um, hopefully we could get that rolling again. And then just networking with other people that I know in different states mm -hmm. um, to try to bring them over because it's nice too. Cause I don't know if, you know, you had teammates that were maybe from a different state, but it's nice where it's a, let's say I'm on the team and I can't go home for Thanksgiving. Well, I might spend it with you, right? And your right. family here. Where then in spring break comes, now you're going to come back with me to Arizona and I could show you that. So, and you right. may not have that opportunity before. Right. So it's just nice trying to build that. Um, so that way you can see different parts of the United States. Right. Right. Well, and I, I'm curious too, even just uh, to, to go back to the, the, bustling city of Morris again I uh I'm curious what your reaction has been living there some of the things like what were some of the what were some of those things you realized once you're living in the town of like oh yeah this is 
okay, this is, you know, I know once in a while I'll drive to Alexandria to Target or whatever, or like, what have been some of the realizations living in the town after you've lived just in, in other parts of the country? Because I, even for me, coming from a small town, I grew up in Lake Country in northern Minnesota where it's all tourism, and rural ag country is way different than rural tourism country like the ebbs and flows the amount of the amount of visitors the types of businesses it was all very different but morris uh also you know like has a bowling alley has a movie theater like has some of the standard stuff that you'd want to go to so what's been some of the stuff that stuck out to you now that you've lived there you know with your family yeah so obviously it's different, so, um, but I think it's knowing when, hey, if I want to eat at it, or if we want to eat at a certain restaurant, they may not be open um, on that day, so really getting See, to know. I, like, you, you couldn't possibly be talking about Sundays. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just, you know, really trying to figure that out and be like, oh, because, again, I'm not really used to that. Um, even though that was still a little bit when we lived in Springfield that um, when we lived, it's the capital. So some yeah. parts downtown, it was just like, okay, there's nothing open um, when I don't want to cook at home. So yeah, that'll be the times where it's like, okay, I'm going to go do my Target or Walmart run. Um, I think it's also too, if I don't find it at Willie's, <laughs> the infamous <laughs> Willie's, then yeah. I'm going to make that run as well. And it's funny because then it's like, you know, stockpiling now or getting ready to with winter coming. So okay. it's a trip to either Fargo or St. Cloud to Sam's Club yeah. to make sure I have that bulk item stuff. Um, so we're good for a few months. Right, right. And I mean, I think, you know, for folks who have never been on campus at Morris, I think one of the surprising things to me after I was in the UMAC, both playing soccer and football, and the football team played in places like, oh my God, we played like Lawrence, which is down mm -hmm. in the conference you were in you know two jobs ago I mean I played at tons of different colleges and I think pe what people probably don't appreciate about Morris especially in soccer is that it's a really good game field I mean just like a very good playing surface game field um, when you have to play on the turf you know this big cat stadium is is nice um, you know it's you, you know soccer teams usually prefer to play on grass but when you have to play on turf it's there um, but have there been any surprises where you're, you know, since I'm assuming a lot of your process interviewing was remote, have there been any kind of like pleasant surprises that you're on campus that you're like, oh, this is actually a, a good asset or, um, you know, anything like that? Has there been kind of nice positive surprises once you actually got there, considering you maybe, I think you said on the podcast you'd never been to campus, right, when you accepted the job? That's right. <laughs> Not until we were trying to find a place to live was the first time I even oh crossed God. the state. So that was an experience. But I think what really sold me, I guess, on it is just the fact of the um, support system within athletics as well as within the campus community as well. And so that was very important to me, um, you know, when making the decision. And so I don't think it was so much of a surprise. I think it was just more of a, now that we're actually here, how much it is, again, just a reassurance that it is like a family atmosphere, you know, going around and joking around. You would think that only being here for a few months, I would have known them for 10, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always like a nice aspect of it. And, you know, when you walk around campus, people knowing each other and you, you joke around you know, as 
the students or with the students saying like, oh yeah, you really get to know everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, the nice aspect of it because again, it's a, a big family atmosphere and the fact too, even with everything going on, we returned Big Cat Stadium. So right. that's nice to see. We broke ground with softball. Um, so as far as athletics goes, you know, that's always a positive and a reassurance mm -hmm. um, right. within our own department, so. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the, my experience there was the same. And I, for a long time, had a hard time figuring out why the general campus culture seemed so positive and, and why I responded to it so well. And I think part of it is it being in such a specific location and, um, you know, colleges in the Twin Cities, someone could go to, you know, McAllister or Hamlin or Concordia or some school, some school in my neighborhood in St. Paul um only because they liked the city or you know they could go there because they like the minnesota wild and they want to go to hockey games i mean like you could there's a million reasons to go to a school in an urban setting um and so you can kind of end up at a school like that almost on accident whereas i think almost everyone who ends up at morris is there on purpose and so like everyone goes in with a really um a, a similar mindset of like i chose this like I, i'm here i and so I think that was part of it too. Is like everyone's like, yeah, we chose to be here, so I'm, you know, I'm I, I like to be here. I, you know, it just I think it created a good first step for people because I had a really hard time figuring out. I'm like, it seems kind of like a really nice vibe. Why is it such a nice vibe? And it's just I think it's part of, part of that. You know, you know Matt Johnson, who's the athletic director now, was was a football coach when I was there, and you know he went to Morris and he's played there, and he and his wife have and their kids have been there forever and they're just people who are there are there on purpose so it's just kind of a a, a generally a nice vibe um well right it, well and you said you said it too because you know when even looking at it um during the interviewer application process is looking at it and seeing like wow people have been here for a very long time right and even still with our program only being you know only 20 years it's still new, quote unquote new versus, you know, at another institution that's been there, you know, for a lot longer mm -hmm. um, with at least with the women's programs. And so seeing that and knowing that, you know, there are professors here who have been here for a very long time, like you said, you know, my AD, Matt went to school here and now is our athletic director and Abby had played here and, and is now a part of our coaching staff. Um, and I mean, the list can go on and on if you just look even just pure athletic stance right um you know who's all have been here so that's also a nice thing to see because it's not like it's just a stopping point mm -hmm. it's or like a stepping stone it's just the fact that it is creating that culture where you know you are here for a very long time and right. i think it really says something without saying something about the school yeah well and i think yeah i think the um you know the the longevity there for sure because there's just a there's a good supportive atmosphere for student athletes all that type of stuff um and you know morris had a long run of success and the you know the women's team had a really long run of success in the 2000s even through the time i was there into the mid-teens and then you know there's been a few seasons of more like 500 or around their uh soccer but i think um you know, it's I it's primed to jump back up. I've been really restrained in this show. I have not been overly selling Morris to people, but if the way, the way 
I would say it is if you're even willing to consider not being in the in a metro area, you have to visit this campus because once you're there, you will see the facilities, you'll see the campus. Like I said, it's the only public, you know, D3 school in the state. It's outstanding academics, all those things. Um, so, so I will, I no secret that I will always be boosting the hell out of Moritz. I will not be a neutral journalist about this. Um, so. <laughs> Bianca, it's been great to meet you. We're glad we're, we were able to swoop you up from, you know, Illinois and, and steal you from Minnesota. Um, and otherwise, I think you're, the schedule as of now, you know, the world is crazy. So we'll see what happens. But the schedule as of now would have you start games in April. Is that right? Yes. So everyone, we you know, mark your calendars for like six months from now, five months from now. We will make sure we remind folks. Um, otherwise, if there's anything else you want to say about how folks can follow the program, um, go ahead and let folks know kind of where to where to track your your team. Yeah. So again, like thanks for having me and everything. So if they want to follow our Instagram, it's um, M N Morris W Soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can follow us on there right now. Our athletes are doing weekly takeovers, so you mm -hmm. can get to know them and ask them questions on you know, what it's like as a student athlete or being part of our program as well. Um, we do have a Twitter, um, same thing, NM Morris W Soccer, or if you want to follow me, it's B Kyle, the number two on Twitter. And so, yeah, That's if you have great. any other questions, just email me. That's great. <laughs> well, well, congratulations on the gig. I'm glad, um, I, you know, and congratulations on the baby. I, doing a job search during any stage of pregnancy and newborn is is insane and obviously I couldn't relate even if I wanted to so I but it is it is unreal and obviously we talk to a lot of a lot of coaches um in the in the women's game and women who have to go through that it's it's a ridiculous you know extra burden that men frankly just don't have to deal with and so kudos to you for soldiering through that it's and during a pandemic, so you are truly a warrior. You are, you are. You know, if anybody has any questions on the what ifs, I'm pretty sure I've probably gone through it all within I, the last six months. I, well, and and you you're like half joking about that, but like Steph Golan, who coaches the Gophers, does say one of the only ways to survive actually being a, a female head coach in soccer is to talk to other ones who have done it too, because it's a, it can be a brutal profession and it can be really tough to be raising kids during the same time. And so everyone who's watching, take Bianca up on that and she will give you free advice. I'm giving away all your, your free advice for you. Um, yeah. Well, th thanks so much, Bianca, and uh, have a good day. Thank you, you too.